Hi, I'm James. And I'm Anthony. And this is Words and Numbers. How you doing this week, Ant? I'm doing well, James. We're uh, up to talk about uh, the drug war this time. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's probably about time we got to it, but it's an interesting way we come to it this week because that defender of liberty, self-styled defender of liberty, says so on his Twitter profile. Ted Cruz has decided that what we need to do, and you might recall Ted Cruz ran for the presidency of the United States of America and is currently a senator, a sitting senator. Yeah, he didn't run the the libertarian ticket, but he does claim to be a a constitutionalist and defender of liberty. Right, an ardent supporter of, of all things liberty, unless and until drugs are implicated. Because what he said maybe a week or so ago now, is that what we really need to do is send the United States military into Mexico to disrupt and upend the drug cartels. Yeah, this is, you you hear this over and over again, um, people arguing that we need, uh, you know, heavy hand of government to fix some problem. And if you trace it back, the problem more often than not is caused by an earlier uh, heavy handed government intervention. Right, and it's pretty easy to determine where this one starts because Richard Nixon, president then of the United States, declared war on drugs. And, you know, when we start declaring war on common nouns, you know how these things go. Right. We talked about the war on poverty not too long ago. And I'll remind everybody that we have an ongoing war on terror, which is working out quite swimmingly every time I go to the airport. Um, <laughs> but, but in 1971, Richard Nixon declared war on drugs. And since 1971, we've spent roughly a trillion, with a T, a trillion right. dollars on this so-called war. And now Ted Cruz wants to ramp it up even more. Yeah, and, and of course, we have to remember what we have to show for it is uh, what about 300,000 Americans uh, currently in jail uh, because of because of uh, drug charges. You know, we talk about we talk about the lives that we save by by making drugs illegal, but nobody seems to ask the question, how many lives do we destroy uh, because of the, the war on drugs? Right. And I think we've got, you know, one of those bigger picture things that we probably want to talk about today, because it it does seem to be the case that in order to save all of these lives, what we end up doing is ruining any number of other ones. And, you know, it it, it bears some, some examination, right? What is the best approach here? And I'm not claiming to know what the best approach uh, in terms of drug policy is apart from maybe we shouldn't have one. Yeah. And, and that's a, it's a harsh thing to say, right. And what, on, on one sense, given that, that uh, we've got Americans all scared about drugs, but on the other hand, you have to really stop, step back and ask, what are you trying to do here? If you're trying to make Americans lives better, I'm not entirely sure that the drug war is doing that, right? Um, I, I think I think there's a good argument to be made is doing the exact opposite. You know, maybe we just typically start with different sorts of questions, like what are we trying to accomplish here? Um, because the, the so-called drug warriors, they never seem to have any trouble explaining what they're trying to accomplish. They're trying to rid American culture of drugs, period. They want all drugs gone tomorrow. And, you know, since 1971, we've been given that a try, and it seems not to work. 
No, it, it seems not to work for a very good reason. The American people have decided that they actually kind of like doing drugs from time to time. <laughs> so, some in a habitual problematic sort of way, others in a recreational pro- problem-less sort of way. And, you know, when we sit back and we think about the strides we've made with marijuana policy over the past three or four years now, Remember, we had legalization beginning in, in, in Colorado and in Washington, and the drug warriors came out of the woodwork to tell us that civilization as we know, know it was about to end. And yet when we look at every place, it's roughly half, little more than half the states now that have entered into some form of marijuana legalization, there have been literally no problems whatsoever right. in yeah. any of those places. Yeah, it's, Life it's goes on experiment. as it always did, right? So... Maybe it's time to apply that lesson to drug policy more simply and more broadly. Yeah, well, I think, you know, not only do we have the experiment going on now of the states that have legalized marijuana versus those that haven't, um, it, it seems that, that very few policymakers um, are aware of history, right? We went through this with alcohol prohibition. We made alcohol illegal. And what transpired is you, you had the rise of, of, you know, crime families and, you know, murders and, and the black market. All of, this, all of the, the heavy negative things that we have today uh, in, in the, the illegal drug trade we had in this country with the illegal alcohol trade. And, yeah, no, and that, that all right. it went away when we legalized alcohol again. That's right. And one wonders what Ted Cruz makes of this, right? Because alcohol prohibition in the early part of the 20th century led directly to the, the, the kinds of cartel activities that he now wants to go and smite down in Mexico. Right. Right. Exactly to it, except it was more localized in our, in our own country. Um, but we seem to have learned nothing from what we did roughly 100 years ago right now. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that the people of roughly 100 years ago, those who wanted to prohibit alcohol the same way people want to continue to prohibit drugs right now, were infinitely more honest in their approach, right? Because yeah. they knew, those people knew full well that the United States Constitution provided the federal government with absolutely no power to prohibit alcohol. That's right. And so, if you, so if you want it, the government to have that power, you've got to amend the Constitution, which is what we did. Right. And... And as fundamentally misguided as I think those people were, constitutionally speaking, they were on very firm ground. They did exactly what was legally and constitutionally required that they do. They went and they got an amendment passed. Now, shame on the American people for falling for it once upon a time. And and thankfully, a few years later, you know, a little bit down the road, they, they passed another constitutional amendment saying, we've come to our senses, let's just never mind prohibition. Right, but, but that's the way it's supposed to work. The government doesn't have the authority to do something. So you amend the constitution to give it the authority. And then we decide it's a bad idea. So we amend it again. That's the way the system's supposed to work. Not, it is, and not regulators and bureaucrats and legislators somewhere deciding uh, for us that all of a sudden the government is now going to regulate something that the constitution does not allow it to regulate. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly right. And to use Lincoln's formulation, right? That's what government of, by, and for the people looks like. It looks like the people are kind of involved. Uh, on, a, on a very fundamental level, which is something we've gotten away from, frankly, in, in the years since. Yeah. Now, um, now, there's a good argument here. People are going to say, well, yeah, but uh, it's really difficult to pass a constitutional amendment. And, you right. know, but, but the right. fact of the matter is, if it, if it is indeed difficult to pass the amendment, that to me 
tells us something right off, that we don't have uh, enough agreement on this topic. If we were of a mind, it wouldn't be difficult. If this were such a good idea, we shouldn't have to sit back and think, well, it'll be really hard to pass. Yep. And that gets us back to, you know, the American people want certain things. And sometimes they want that which their betters um, would, would decline for them. Right? right. And and the American people want drugs. Let's just be honest about this. Um, and I think this is where we should begin, not yeah. what we should be trying to preclude. Right. And I'm here to tell you, I can go to any city in the United States right now and within 15, 20 minutes have whatever drug anybody might want. It's not hard to, to figure out how to accomplish this. And if that's the case, what we've got is a fully functional market, a black market but a fully functional one. It delivers what people want. The interesting thing about about a black market, you know, we outlaw stuff and we imagine that by outlawing it, it goes away. It doesn't go away. It, it just goes on onto some illegal market. And the interesting thing about the black markets is that they, they do not have, um, the, the government does not extend property rights protections to them. So, you know, in, in, a, in a regular market, if you, if you sell me a car and I, you know, give you a check that's no good, you can take me to court. And the government provides a system for us to, to, to settle this dispute. But because drugs are illegal, if, you know, you sell me some drugs and I give, you know, give you some, you know, counterfeit cash or, or whatever, I just run away and I don't pay you, you have no recourse because the thing is illegal. And so now you've got to resort to violence. Because that's the only thing you've got left, given that the government has said, we're not going to extend uh, protections to this particular product. Right. And in, in a, a very real way, the government introduced, the government literally introduced innocent victims into the mix. Yeah. Because all kinds of people end up getting caught up in this mess. Yeah. You have, you know, uh, police breaking down doors in the middle of the night. And, you know, and there are plenty of examples of them getting it, you know, right according to the law. But there are plenty of examples of them getting it wrong, breaking down a, the door of someone who isn't the drug dealer or throwing in the flashbang grenade and burning. There's a, a three year old or two year old child. They threw it into the crib and the, the child had severe burns from this. The, these are these are consequences that would not be happening absolutely not if the product were legal because disputes yeah. would be handled through the court system that that's right and and as is almost always the case right the downside well these are unintended consequences no right. no right thinking person said wouldn't it be great if we instituted a system that yielded these outcomes no 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 nobody said such a thing but these are actually quite predictable Right. We could have we could have figured it out that this this was the likely outcome. And more to the point, after we knew it was the actual outcome, we still kept doubling down on the drug war as it went. Right. We never said maybe this whole thing is misguided and misbegotten and we should just walk away from it wholesale. Right. Well, we, we have an added problem now, which is this drug war has been going on for so long there are people in law enforcement and social services and the court system that have a vested interest in it continuing. People, there are people who have jobs that are dependent on the war on drugs. Right. But, you know, echoing Reagan's take on the war on poverty, I think it's time to admit that we fought a war on drugs and drugs won. Yeah. So the real question is who lost? And the losers here are pretty clear, right? The American people lost their freedoms. They're right. not allowed to do any number of things they might like to do otherwise. Um, 
the United States Constitution lost because we had to turn a blind eye to it in order to facilitate all of these draconian laws. Yeah. Federalism lost, right? The states lost their ability to legislate on behalf of their citizens, which by virtue of the 10th Amendment would have been the correct way to go on this in the first place, right? And what are we left with? We're left with Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz saying yet again, let's send in the military. So right. already we know more people are about to lose their lives if we walk down this road. Well, and, and he wants to send in the military to, to a country, uh, Mexico, that suffers annually 20,000 deaths due to this same war on drugs. Right. And let's ask the obvious question. Is this likely to make it better? And with that, I'll, th I'll throw it to you for the last word. Well, I, yeah, and, and I think that the last word here is interesting because the, 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 the thing that people will say is, yes, but look at all of the lives that drugs destroy. We, 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 have, we have to get drugs off the market to protect these lives. And that statement is not false, but it's only half of the picture. The other half are the, are the lives that are lost uh, due to the drug war. And to put it in perspective, right, compare heroin to, to alcohol. Heroin's illegal, alcohol is legal. Uh, there are about 500,000 people who suffer from heroin abuse in this country versus 26 times that, almost 16 million people who suffer from alcohol abuse. About eight times the number of people die annually from alcohol, uh, uh, from alcohol overdose as, as die from, from heroin overdose. So, so really, if you want to ask, what's the real problem if you compare those two drugs? The real problem is the one that's legal. You know, if you really care about saving lives, you're dealing with the wrong substance. And that's all we have time for today on this week's Words and Numbers. Come on by next week on Wednesday, round about noon Eastern time, and we'll have another episode up and ready for you. Until then, be sure to check out the material at fee.org and at fee online through social media for all kinds of great content. See you next week, Ant. See you next week, James. <laughs>